Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the 2020 Mindset Leadership Conference. I'm your host, Riley Jensen, and I'm super excited to present to you a, a person who I've gotten to know over the years, who I consider to be a friend. And uh, he's an outstanding coach and an outstanding individual. And we were just talking about his family. I, I know he's an outstanding dad because I see him with his kids on Twitter and social media and everything else. But Coach Fessy Sataki from BYU, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Riley. So I, um, you know, you and I have crossed paths. You've been, you, you've recruited players that I've coached. You've, you were at Weber State University when I first started up there uh, as a mental performance coach. And I've been able to watch your style and coaching at the all poly camp over the years in different places. And one of the things that I noticed about you, and this is just my observation, you, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I think somehow you found a really good balance between working really hard and still having fun with the guys. Is there, is that a hard thing to do as a coach? Is it, because I, I think sometimes when I get in the grind and I'm doing, I'm just, I'm just grinding with them. Right. But you seem to be able to have fun, dance around a little bit, celebrate with the guys. And I was wondering if there's maybe somebody that taught you that, or if that's always been your disposition or how do you, how do you achieve that balance? Well, first off, I'm, I appreciate you recognizing that because that means a lot to me. If there's, you know, people always say, what kind of impact do you want to leave on, on a program or on a young man or, or whatever it is? And I take a lot of pride in that. And, and I want someone to say, you know what, Coach Fessy was, he always had fun. You know what I mean? He didn't take things too serious. And that's hard to do in a, in a, in a pressure-driven business like this. And so I'm glad you, you recognize that. And it's, it's real. It's, it's who I am. It's how I grew up. I was taught to enjoy life and have fun and enjoy those little things. And uh, I've been in this profession, you know, not, not, not too long, but long enough to realize that there have been a lot of people who, who felt handcuffed um, to the job and that they can't be a certain way. And so one thing that allows me to be the way that I am um, in like from your observation is I have people around me that allow me to feel that way. I think that's the number one, that's the number one deal. There's, there's programs or coaches or whatever bosses, CEOs that whether it's intended or not, there's a culture or an, in, in, that you just can't be a certain way. You can't be loose and have fun. Um, and I think a lot of that is implemented it because of fear uh, um, and it's something that you can blame um, failure on is because you take things too light or you're not taking things serious and I, I think that's it's unfortunate because I don't think there's any truth to that at all and so um, I might take a lot more pride pride in that than the next guy in terms of just having fun and being loose because I, I think that's critical in a in a profession where things are there's so much pressure um, and expectations are so high I think there's actually more need for that type of stuff to be able to have fun and, and have that balance of enjoying what you do while still trying to accomplish a, a critical task. God, that's awesome. And I think, I think that over the years it's reflected in your players, right? Like they, they, they play hard, they play loose and they, and they seem to play to their maximum ability. Do you think that um, not maybe the definition that is in the book or in a dictionary, but what's your definition of mental toughness? What does it mean to you? What is it? Why is it important? And what is it, what does it look like to you? Um, so without being Merriam Webster, um, I would say just when, when adversity, any form of adversity strikes you in your life and it will, I think it's your, your ability to 
overcome that through sheer grit and resiliency. Um, and so kind of how, I guess, how you respond through that, any form of adversity um, to me is what, I, I think what mental toughness is. I know that's pretty broad, but that would be my definition. Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Do you, do you think that your definition has changed over the years from when you played to now as you coach? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think earlier in my, not even coaching career, just, just as a, as a, you know, as an adolescent, I equated mental toughness a lot more with physical toughness. Um, just being the culture I grew up in, um, you know, of being, you know, the expectations of being physically tough, the sport I grew up in, me being a male, all those different factors, I just naturally equated mental toughness with just like that physical element of just pushing through things. And I, and, and so, but the more I've gone with it, the more I realize truly the mental aspect of that. I think so much more adversity that we face in life happens in between the, the years. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where I feel I've, uh, it's, it's changed, you know, a little bit over the years, my, my, my yeah. definition of mental toughness. Yeah. I think, I, I think there is some truth to the physical toughness of it, but I also think there's a mental element, right. Of being able to, you know, and, and I've said this in a couple of the other interviews, but mental toughness, adversity is coming. I've never met a great person, a great organization, a great team that doesn't face adversity every single year. And the ones that seem to handle it and have a plan for how to work themselves through a difficult situation seem to be the ones that are not only physically tougher, but mentally tougher and be able to succeed faster. It's like when my dad, when I was a kid, I remember playing football and if, you know, he never said that I was being mopey, but I think, I think that's the word that describes it. And he, he would always say, no mat time, no mat time. And I, we weren't wrestlers or anything in my family, but he had described to me that the great wrestlers were the one that got back up off the mat as quick as they could once they got taken down. And so the code word was no mat time. And I feel like that's a combination of that physical and mental strength, right? Like you're going to get knocked down. There's going to be difficulty. You're not always going to be first string. You're not always going to be the star on the team, but can you get back up? Can you, can you physically will yourself to just get to where you need to be? And I, I, I love your definition. I think that's, that's really, really important. Do you feel like as your mindset has evolved and your mental toughness has evolved, that it's been important to your career, not just when you were playing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you're in this profession, um, you rub shoulders with a lot of great people. And, um, but I feel that the, the, the pressure – that that the profet that the that's in this profession it causes a lot of people to change a little bit of who they are um motives change uh and and it, it, it i don't know sometimes i feel that there are a lot of coaches who feel they have to um be a, a certain way uh to climb the ladder to get the recruits that they want um and to me i think that's where mental toughness uh, there's really very little physical, if any, physical toughness involved in coaching uh, football. Um, besides just being able to walk on the sideline, you got to work out. You can't can't yeah. look like a mess in a slot. But really, it's it's being true to who you are. Not letting anyone or, or or the pressure of any situation change who you are inside as as a human being, and ultimately as a, as a coach as it relates to the profession. So. Absolutely, it applies more than ever, mental toughness specifically, um, you know, in, in my profession. So, 
I might, I might be reading between the lines here, but tell me if this is wrong. It sounds like that part of being mentally tough as, as a coach is being authentic. Yes. That, Absolutely. Does that, does that feel right? Like, yes. Being true to yourself, being true to others, being true to your family, just being just authentic and genuine to the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm sure I, it's very easy for me just to speak to, uh, in the in the football coaching world, but I'm sure this applies everywhere. But it's so easy to look at at a uh, any coach that you aspire to be like, that you admire, um, and, and you should look at them and take those good qualities. But I think some people miss the mark a little bit, and, and they try and almost become that person, which takes away that authenticity you're talking about. And so I think mental toughness, um, part of that is, is your is self-awareness you, you realizing what your strengths are um what your weaknesses are um how you are um and kind of staying true to yourself so I, I think it's a good point you bring up absolutely uh tied to mental toughness oh, that's cool that's really cool i just heard you saying you know like trying like when we, when you get some expectation of how you're supposed to be then you're just kind of stepping out of yourself instead of just being that's that's what that's what i was hearing so yeah, absolutely do you um do you think that mental toughness can be learned and how do you recognize it in players? Yeah. Um, I absolutely think it can be learned. Um, sometimes it's, sometimes it's actually forced upon you. Um, I, I, I feel, but I absolutely think it's something that can be learned. And um, the way I look for it, you know, me and my youth um, as a coach, when I thought about, okay, I'm going to look for a player who's mentally tough. For me, I kind of turn to the obvious factors. When I say um, it's forced upon you, I don't know if that's the right term, but I would look for, if I wanted a mental tough player, I would think I would have to turn to low-income, poverty-stricken areas, kids maybe with uh, single parents. Um, and, and I'm not being insensitive to that because I think absolutely so much mental toughness comes from that. But I'm sometimes... I missed out on a, a lot of uh, mentally tough kids because I was just looking for this one demographic, right. Or, or this, this, um, this certain environment that I, I felt you could, you were going to be more mentally tough than the next guy because of this. And, and that was unfortunate. And I learned, you know, quicker than, than uh, I'm glad I learned quicker that, you know what, you're going to find a mentally tough kid anywhere, no matter, no matter what his environment and his surrounding is. And to me, a lot of that is just, how, how, how he is. I think there's so much you can find out of a kid rather than just looking at his surroundings and his circumstances. There's so much you can find in a kid by talking to him, by asking, to, asking them about their life, how they grew up, what adversities they've faced in their life, the struggles, how they overcame those things, talking about their family dynamic. And you can actually, I found in doing that, I found so many, so many more kids to be uh, mentally tough you know sometimes I equated being in a in a in a in a rich neighborhood or in having both parents or having a strong faith in in you know in your beliefs sometimes I equated that with um uh kind of being you know enabled and not going through a struggle and, and I was so wrong in that I actually think some of those things are truly what create mental toughness and so uh, a little long-winded but but that's kind of how i've looked at how i've uh, been able to find mentally tough uh, uh, attributes in kids and how i think it can be learned um is just by communicating to them and, and just kind of see 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 what they talk about and 
Um, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, that totally makes sense. Where do you where do you think? So it, it sounds like your paradigm has shift as far as that goes. Where do you think it come from? Came from? Did you come from maybe some of that place, and so it was easier to recognize mental toughness because you came from kind of that, and then yeah. you had to like expand your horizon and go, oh, you know what? There's actually some tough guys that are from different places. Absolutely, that's what triggered it all. Is I I I saw the the world of of um, of athletes through my own lens, the way I grew up. And, and I grew up in with very little to no money and, and, you know, no mom and, and really no like father figure around and a lot of adversity and struggle. And I lost my mom and, and so many of my life experiences shaped me into who I am. And I, I feel I pride myself on being mentally tough. And so naturally I equate that with, well, who's gone through similar struggles as me. Right. right. And there's, there's no question. I found guys who are mentally tough that way, but when I was, when I've been able to just take a step back and, and open my eyes and realize, you know what, like it, my, my, my struggles uh, have made me mentally tough, but it's not those struggles itself that made me mentally tough. It's how I overcame those struggles and everyone's going to have them in, in, in their, their own different ways. And, you know, I don't know when that kind of, that paradigm started to shift or when the light bulb went off, so to speak. But um, like I said, the, when I realized that I've really enjoyed recruiting so much more because it's, it's, it's made me look at every individual for who they are and not trying to find, uh, you know, this perfect clone. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, man. That's, that's really cool. That's, you know, that's that growth mindset that everybody talks about. That's that ability to like, just keep continuing to grow and progress and continue to make yourself better, both as a coach and as a person. I, I, yeah. I love that. I, that. Thank you for being so honest with that. Cause that's, I don't, there's not a lot of coaches that would admit that. Right. Like, yeah. So thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you think is your biggest failure and, and what did you learn from it? How did you overcome it? Uh, so it's actually, I would say it's, it's relative to what we were just speaking about. My biggest failure was my, when we, when I first got married to my wife, um, my failure to recognize the way she was brought up and why she is the way she is and my expectations that she needed to meet me more on my side um, because I lived a quote unquote harder life, you know, and to excuse my mistakes a lot quicker than I should excuse hers because I've quote unquote gone through more, you know what I mean? And I, 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 um, I failed at that at the beginning of my marriage. And I think a lot of my struggles as a, as a newlywed husband and father came from my um, expectations that were completely misaligned with what mental toughness is. And, and so I would say my failure, my biggest failure was my mental toughness as a new husband and newly married husband and father coming from a completely different background from my wife, um, a completely different culture and expecting her to kind of live in my world. And so I would say the way I overcame that was very similar to what I said with the recruit and looking at people for, for who they are and talking to them. It was the way I overcame that was, was remembering why I fell in love with this woman I called my wife, you know, and it wasn't just for her looks, but the way she treated me, the way she forgave me and understood me, you know, in a way that no one else could. And then I talked to her and let, let um, her welcome me into her life even more in more depth. And, you know, we had a lot of serious conversations and so much of, our dating and our uh, early marriage was me explaining my life, you know, and, and 
it was great for me because it was therapy and I needed to like talk to someone, but, uh, but I missed, I, I missed out on the opportunity for her to do the exact same thing. And it wasn't in a way to just compare each other's life, but to understand who we are and why are the way we are. And so, um, and I don't want to, I, I don't mean to get all mushy, but I think that was my biggest failure. And I'm super glad I still fail as a husband and I still fall into that sometimes, you know, and self pit feeling sorry for myself. And it's, she, you know, but I'm glad she's, um, she's been able to, to hear me out and that I've been able to hear her side and because I'm able to snap out of those moments a lot quicker than before. And that's been really healthy for, um, for our relationship. That's I'm glad to hear that. I think I got married late in life, right? So I got married at 37. We've been married for nine years now. And I, I know that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I feel like I had the exact same struggles or like, you don't understand, you don't understand where I come from. You don't, you know, trying to explain myself all the time. And, and I think, you know, three, four years into it, when I started to be a little bit more, um, trying to understand where she's coming from, like it really enriched us and like, it's changed everything. Right. Like the way I view life, the way, like I can get along with somebody who's different, you know, and yeah. you know, when you play football, even though there's all kinds of races and people and all that kind of stuff, like a lot of us come from some pressure situations and we've been through some grit and most of my best friends are from my playing days still. Right. And she doesn't understand that. She's like, why do you have to go through a war with somebody to be close to him? And I'm like, cause I can, I do, I can hang my hat on that dude. Like, yeah, I, I know, you know, and, and it's been really fun to, to, to do that. I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Cause it actually makes me feel good about my struggle. Right. Like, yeah. Cause sometimes I, I'm a bonehead. Right. And sometimes yeah. I just need to be forgiven and I need to learn and, and I'm learning all the time, but it's interesting how you explain that it's really expanded just the way that you treat people, the way you recruit everything in your life. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's amazing. What's your, where, tell us a little bit, because I don't think everybody knows. I mean, I think everybody assumes that everybody knows who a BYU coach is, but where are you from? Where did you play? What got you into coaching? Take us a little bit on a ride with your story here. Yeah. So, so, Utah's definitely home. It's where I've spent most of most of uh, my life. I uh, I grew up in Sandy uh, Sandy Utah, and that's kind of a lot of what shaped me. Um, you know, a lot of the, the, the adversity I had to go through was I went to a pretty high income um, uh, middle school, and and, um, and and that's what changed uh, a lot of me of, of who the way I am, and so. Um, I had about 22 people living in my house. Um, my, I lost my mom um, going into my junior year in high school. Um, and my dad was always gone away working to make make money. He was the only uh, person with a job amongst the household of 22 people. And so you can imagine, um, you know, the hours of work that have to be put in. And so I had zero female figure in my life growing up. And in fact, the first the first glance I ever was able to see, at, uh, the first look I was able to have as a, what a, a healthy mother-child relationship looks like is my own wife and to my own kid. And so um, that's part of uh, the hurdles I had to go through as a, as a, as a you know, newly married man is, is, is all that, is figuring out how this, this relationship is supposed to work between a man and a woman. So anyways, I don't want to go too far off a tangent, but I, 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 um, I went to Hillcrest High School. Um, I ended up 
going to signing to Southern Utah. Um, uh, my true freshman year, I went and played, and then I left on a two-year mission uh, to California. Came back home, finished that, uh, finished my time at Southern Utah, um, where uh, Ed Lamb was my head coach. He's I work with him now at BYU. Um, when I was done, I had um, I I was in the I got my uh, started my masters. Was almost done completing my uh, my MBA. Was going to go to law school. I wanted to become a sports agent. Um, and, uh, I had a pretty good college career, um, especially statistically. And my year was the year of the, um, of the lockout 2010, the NFL lockout. And they had to cut down every roster by like 20 guys. It was 600 less guys that were going to make it into the NFL that year. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to give this one more year. It was a, always a goal of mine, you know, dream of mine to go play in the NFL. I was like, I'm going to give this a year. What can I do in this year to, um, just kind of stay around, stay in shape and so I was offered a um, graduate assistant uh, job at Southern Utah. And uh, I didn't know the dynamic of coaching at all. I had zero aspirations to be a coach. And so I called upon uh, my older brother, who's my boss now, Kalani, and asked him his opinion. And he said, take it. He says, give this thing a year. If you l don't like it, leave. The business field will always be there for you. Um, if you do, then you got your foot in the door that people wait years for an opportunity for and being in this industry now i realize that more than ever that so much of this is just timing where you are who you know and so i was really fortunate to be able to just take that job and about five months into my graduate assistant uh career i was our uh, receivers coach left paul peterson and and i was then offered um the receivers job at a very young age freshly off of playing and there's been no turning back since then. You know, I, I, like you said, I left to Weaver state, had a great time there. And then now here at, at BYU, I'm headed into my uh, ninth year of coaching. Um, and so that's kind of been my, my path um, as a football coach and how I got into it, even though I didn't, um, you know, really, really have plans um, into doing that. So that's just kind of a brief synopsis of, of um, yeah. kind of my, my life. It's a great path. It's a great path. If we were to go back to Southern Utah or Hillcrest High School and some of your really good friends and we were to fill in this, this sentence, what would they say? They'd say Fessy will be a successful coach because he blank. What would they say? Oh, um, I think what we open things up with because he knows how to have fun when you can have fun and he knows how to work when you're supposed to work. I, I feel – I hope so, at least, um, and feel confident that my friends would, would say that, that that's a reason I would be successful because I know how to draw the line between um, fun and work. I like that. I like that. Do you find yourself um, quoting coaches, mimicking coaches, or saying things that, you know, coaches that were influential on you said? Do, do you – and I'm not saying that it, it it's not genuine, but – is there, is there any coach that sticks out to you that kind of helped shape mental toughness for you or, or some of the things that you really believe now? Yeah, no, it's a good, it's an interesting question. I, I, uh, in a broad sense, I take something from so many coaches, but just a couple that stick out Ed Lamb, who I, who I played for, um, my last three years at SU, he had so many, he comes from the Jim Harbaugh, uh, tree. He has so many just, classic phrases and quotes and fables that he makes up to get a point across that I, that I, that are stuck and cemented in my brain and I use them when needed. Then you got Jay Hill. Um, you know, when I was at Weber state who 
who uh, always drew upon, you know, John Wooden's pyramid and some Urban Meyer quotes and certain things that are time tested and infallible, uh, you know, theories and, and uh, principles that, that I, I love and I use to this day. And then I think like with Kalani, um, as it, so I've been around, worked for three head coaches. And so the third Kalani, I've learned how to just have fun, be yourself, be authentic. Um, don't be afraid, uh, be afraid to be true to who you are. So, so those, in terms of my bosses, those are the main things I picked up from those three, but I've, I've yeah. picked up so many things from so many great coaches along the way. So that's funny. I, I, I interviewed Jay, uh, for this conference and I asked him, I'm like, so who are the coaches? He's like, Oh, John Wooden and, uh, Urban <laughs> Meyer and, and, uh, let's see, Vince Lombardi. Those were like, <laughs> so you nailed it. You nailed exactly what he's doing. Um, what would you – so you've been coaching for nine years. Ten, ten years ago, you can travel back in time and you can talk to Fessy Sataki. What do, what, do you, what do you say? What's the advice that you give to yourself ten years ago? Um, be grateful for where your feet are planted. Um, don't, don't look outside of where you are. Stay humble. Learn from those around you. Um, that's what I would say. I think I had, I think I had elements of that. And, and I think some people planted a very similar message to me along the way, but I think that's such an important message, not just to football coaches, but to, to anyone, especially in this day and age, this, this technology, uh, day, uh, age of technology, like it's so easy to just look around and compare and, and envy things. And um, it might be well-intended, but man, I think, I think there's so much that people are missing out on. Um, that's happening right around them where their feet are planted. And so that's advice that I would give, my, give myself. Not that I didn't get flat bursts of it, more just right. to stress the importance of that. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. Um, lots of people going through a, a tough time right now. They're, they're losing jobs. There's people that are sick. There's tons of unknown out there. Lots of fear of the unknown and lots of change. Any thoughts or words of encouragement? To, to people out there that are having a hard time? I would say um, take some time and reflect and write down all the good things you can think of that can happen, that has happened in your life. Go through the you know, chronology of your life. And I'm not, I think it's, it's natural to be like, think about the great fortunes that have happened. I got a major pay raise. I got a promotion. I got married. I had kids. Like those are significant events that we can all fall back on. But I think as you sit down and just go through your life and think about even the smallest things and, and write those down, your list, I think, becomes endless. I only say that because I've done that exercise. It's one of the most powerful things I've done. And it's what it brought so much light into my life, because I think we tend to forget about all the good things and the tender mercies that have happened in our life, aside from those big, glaring, obvious ones that we also need as part of our foundation. So that's the encouragement I would give to people is just feeling down a little bit or struggling, go back into your, through your life and just think about, reflect and write those things down, all the good things that have happened in your life. And you'll realize how blessed you are, but more importantly, that there's, there's hope, there's light at the end of the tunnel because more good things are going to continue to happen for you as you focus on them. God, I love it. It's, a, it's great advice. Great advice. Um, I, that's really all I have. I mean, that, that was an amazing interview. I appreciate your time. I want to get you back to your family, but uh, we wish you the best of luck at BYU. We wish you the best of luck in coaching up those receivers and 
I think this gives a little insight to parents about, uh, you know, how authentic and genuine you are and how much you really care about these kids. So thanks for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. Appreciate you, Riley. Thanks for all you do, man. Hey, no worries, man. Anytime I can help you, just, uh, just give me a call. Likewise, man. Take care. Take care.